Everybody say good morning to John Looney. He's Amen. coming to talk to us about how the gospel shapes our conversations. Yeah. Well, it's good to be together for those of you who are actually here and for those of you who are joining online. It's, uh, it's great to have you tuning in and um, following along uh, as we continue the Gospel Shapes series. And, you know, it's interesting just kind of how God works things together because um, today we are talking about how the Gospel Shapes our conversations. And I think this is uh, at coming at an, a critical time for us as we're navigating the situations and just the social dynamics of, uh, of this climate that we're in right now with the virus. Uh, because here's the thing, that there's a, a, di- a big difference between distancing and isolation. This is not a time to be in isolation because this is an opportunity for the gospel to be shown through the people of God. This is an opportunity for us to have conversations with the world, to speak peace and love and grace into people's life where there's fear and anxiety. And so we have a great opportunity. Um, So we're going to dive into this topic of having conversations with the world and, um, and how the gospel informs that in our life. So we've been looking at all of these different topics through the Gospel Shape series on how the gospel ought to shape the way we live every day, the, the regular lifestyle, the regular rhythms that mark who we are as a person, how those should be shaped by the gospel. So, But we have to start with what is the gospel, if you're going to be shaped by it. And so we're just continuing to reiterate the concept of the gospel. So this is the gospel. It's literally that God created us to have an awesome relationship with him. He desires that with us. But humanity rebelled against God's order, and so we've all been tainted by that reality, and so we need forgiveness from God. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to take the penalty of our rebellion, and then he showed us how to live our lives as God actually intended us to live. And so even though we live in a broken world, Jesus came to show us kind of his upside-down way of living that's contrary to the values of this world so that we could be in relationship once again with God. And so our lives are shaped by this. It's shaped by the reality of this, and, and it changes the way that we live. This morning, we're talking about this gospel shaping our conversations and the word the the reality is is that our words have power our words have power in people's lives in fact i was thinking this week um there is a an instance i can think of in my childhood where i can still remember words that were spoken over me do you you remember any words from your childhood specific instances where somebody spoke something to you Maybe it was the, a great like encouragement, or maybe it was a real put-down. Those things have a, t- a way of, of sticking with us, don't they? I, I can put myself right back to the scene in my middle school, walking out of the locker room into the gym, and this wiry kid that always was looking for attention, speaking this one comment to me that stuck with me. And now, how many ever years later, a lot of years later, I can remember that comment. Because our words have power. They can be piercing, can't they? The Bible talks a lot about the power of our words. 
In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. In Proverbs 12.18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, and it defiles a person. You hear that? Our, our words are powerful. They can be like uh, piercing jabs. They, they, they're so critical in the way that we, we talk and the way that we're perceived, the way that it reflects who we are. In fact, that's an interesting point. Listen to uh, Matthew 15, 18 about how it reflects uh, something on us. That says, but what, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. From the heart. That's interesting, isn't it? That there's something in our hearts that is revealed in our words. Now, this is, this, I, I think we see this in the way that you speak about your friends when they're not around. I think it's really vividly seen in people when they speak about their spouse when they're not around, right? Have you ever been around somebody who makes comments about their spouse? And like, the, like Proverbs uh, 12 said, there's some subtle jabs in there. We say things like, she did the dumbest thing the other day. Wow, there's, there is, there's something more in there. There's a heart issue in there. Or, or how about this? I wish my wife had a body like that. That's not just an offhanded comment. There is something that reveals something of our hearts in that, isn't there? Or how about this one? Maybe if he would get off his lazy butt once in a while, blah, 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 blah. Like there's more to that comment, right? There's something behind that. It reveals something in our hearts that is present. And so our words have power and they reflect uh, something that is deep within us. So... That means that if our words have power and they reflect our lives, then, then, then they have power to impact people's lives for the gospel. They ought to reflect the gospel working in us. Your words have power. And so we have an opportunity before us. Now, this, this message is not just about speaking nice words. It's not just about our language. What, what I want us to discover and kind of dig into this morning is that having gospel conversations with people actually changes their life. This cannot be just a, a simple comment that, yeah, you know, I, I, I believe the gospel and I'll uh, you know, I'll, I'll show it with my actions, and every once in a while, maybe I'll say this or that. No, people need to hear you demonstrate and declare the gospel that marks your life. So what is a gospel conversation? I'm, I'm going to use that term a number of times, a gospel conversation. So there's a, there's a great book that, uh, that was written by a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. I love that name. It's a solid name. Jeff Vanderstelt, he wrote a book called Gospel Fluency. And the, the whole book is this concept that um, when you learn a language, uh, there's a big difference between just understanding a couple words and being fluent in that language, right? I took two years of Spanish in high school, and about the extent of my Spanish is, where-o is el baño-o? Like, that's it. 
That's all I got out of two years. So my Spanglish is not real great, right? And here, but here's the reality. Some of us are speaking gospel-ish. Like we've got a, a few concepts down. We have some ideas, but we don't know how to translate that. We don't know how to speak that. Gospel fluency, as, as this book describes, is the idea that the gospel is, it comes natural. It, it just naturally flows. Like, like when you're fluent in a, a language, you can think in that language. It shapes your, your dialogue. It, it doesn't come forced. You don't start speaking it. For some reason we do this. We start to speak slower and louder, right? Right? Have you ever had somebody do that to you? It's like, no, no, no. I get it. I get it. No, the, the gospel fluency is this idea that we're so comfortable because it's part of our everyday experience that it, it has to be expressed. It just comes out naturally. It, it's naturally blended into our conversations. The realities of Jesus and what he's done for us is just a part of our lives. And so it's naturally woven into our conversations. But we have a hard time with this. A lot of us, we know how to have secular conversations, and we know how to have spiritual conversations, and sometimes there's places where we have those, right? Sometimes in the workplace, we have secular conversations, and in the church, we have spiritual conversations, but we don't know how to weave those together so that it's a natural part of our lives, so that all of our conversations are seasoned with the truth of the gospel. But the world needs to hear this. They need to hear the truth of the gospel expressed through your story, through your life. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly the right thing in every situation, but it gives us the wisdom to address every situation and the world is looking for answers. And you have them. You have them in your story. You have them in your experience with Jesus. You have them. To whatever extent you have experienced Jesus, that experience translates straight across the board. And we'll talk about that as well. So this morning, gospel conversations. Let's look at a few uh, things that, um, that apply and can can help us have these conversations. So the first thing here is that gospel conversations happen when we believe the gospel. <laughs> we have to actually believe the gospel first. And we already talked about how, how out of the, when the mouth speaks, it's, a, it's an overflow of our heart. We, we have to genuinely believe the gospel for it to start to shape our conversations. Look, the gospel is the best story for your life. It is the thing that should shape your life more than anything else. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 1. For those who are uh, tuning in online, you're going to want to turn to Romans chapter 1 because I'm not sure how great you'll be able to see it on the screens here. We're going to start in verses 16 and 17 and then we'll read a little bit further in a moment. So read with me here. Uh, follow along as I read in Romans 1, 16. It says, this is Paul talking to the Romans. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So pause there for a moment and let me kind of break this down just a little bit. So Paul makes a huge statement. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because I realize that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Those of us who are timid or don't know how it's going to be received if we bring gospel conversations into our language, I want to just invite you to throw that out. Be proud of the gospel. Be proud of the thing that God, that is the power of God to bring salvation, not only in your life, but in the lives of the people that you're talking with every day. That is not something to shrink back from, to be timid from, to be afraid of how it'll be received. Now, we'll talk in a moment about how we are good news in that and how we don't club people to death with it. But it's part of our normal conversation. And then the, the second part of this, in verse 17, he says, For uh, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. That's a big word, righteousness. But it means that the, God's, God's goodness, His rightness, is revealed through the gospel. We get to see a glimpse of His character, of His goodness. We get to experience Him when we believe in this when we believe and we are not ashamed of the gospel. It says it's revealed from faith. So there's something about when we believe in God, we even get to see a clearer picture of who he is, his rightness. And then it says it's not only from faith, but it's for faith. This is a really interesting dynamic of the gospel, that when you believe in God, when you put your faith in him, he reveals things about himself to you so that you can have even greater faith. It's a sto- the, the story of the gospel is a story that perpetuates itself. By, by faith in God, we believe and, we're, and then we are revealed more to us so that we can believe even gr- in greater ways. It perpetuates itself. But here's what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to live and to speak a lesser story for our lives than the gospel gives us. A lesser story than the power of God's salvation for everyone who believes. Let's read on and we'll, we'll take a look at how Paul described this to the Romans. Starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness from men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They're actually suppressing the truth. Verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived... Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. Now listen to this in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, listen to this, and exchanged 
the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is an incredible passage. These people knew the truth. They knew the gospel narrative for their life. They knew the life-changing power of God's salvation. But in their rebellion, in their unrighteousness, by the, by the darkening of their futile thinking in their minds, they exchanged God's story for their life for a lesser story. They started worshiping idols and they rejected God. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we, I think we do these, th- this in some subtle ways sometimes. We, we exchange the power of the truth of the gospel for our lives for a lesser story. A lesser story. Now, you may not be in your backyard carving images of birds so that you can worship them, but sometimes we do this stuff. And we start to live stories of the culture instead of stories of the gospel. Stories like, it all depends on me. That's a lesser story for your life that some people are living under the weight of and it's killing them. Stories like, if I don't perform, I won't have value. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that he already performed. He already provided the way that he's giving you freedom. That you're not defined by what you can do. You're defined by who you are in Christ. People are living under the lesser stories that what matters most is how other people think of me. That I don't, if I don't look perfect, I won't be loved. These are lesser stories that people live their lives by. And if we're not careful, even us as the people of God, we can exchange the truth of God for a lie. We can exchange a greater story of the gospel freedom for a lesser story. And we can live our lives by it. So we have gospel conversations with people that, that, that speak life and peace and grace into the everyday situations of our lives. We have to be people who are, first of all, being shaped by the gospel because we believe it is a better story for our lives. Secondly, if, if we're going to be shaped by the the gospel, to have gospel conversations, it happens when we are good news to people. It happens when we're actually good news to people. John 7, 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow, it's like you read that and it's like, oh, there's living water. In all of the climate of fear and anxiety that is with us right now in our culture, there can, out of us, there can flow rivers of living water to people. We can be good news to people in our conversations. But we have to ask ourselves, is my life actually good news to people? Is it good news to people? Do people around me experience rivers of living water? Are they refreshed and satisfied in their spirit when they encounter me? Not because we've had some uh, profound moment of ministry, but because just by experiencing me and having a conversation with me, they're somehow touched by the spirit that's in me. See, we, we can be good news to people. I had the privilege a number of years ago to travel to Israel, and we went to the Dead Sea. 
The Dead Sea is an incredible place uh, because you can actually go out in this water and you just float on the top. It, it, like it picks you up and you're just right on the surface because the salt content is so dense. But it's so, um, it, it is so rich in salt that nothing grows here. Can you see how barren that landscape is in the picture? Nothing can grow here because, because it is such a harsh environment. And in fact, if you're in the, uh, the Dead Sea, you, can't, you have to be extremely careful. You can't get it in your eyes. You can't get it in your mouth. Like, it is not life-giving at all. And it has no outlet. It doesn't go anywhere. This water just sits there, and it gets saltier and saltier and saltier. Now, in contrast to this, I also have had the opportunity to go visit one of my good friends who was my roommate in college. His name is Chris Martin. He is not the lead singer of Coldplay. This is a different Chris Martin. I would love to have gone and visited Chris Martin. Um, but this Chris Martin took me, he lives in Montana, and he took me to Glacier National Park, and we went fly fishing. And it was incredible. You look around and you see this, in, this incredible uh, uh, nature scene of just teeming with life. And this, this lake is a freshwater lake that is, is a series of lakes that every, as it flows down the, the streams to the next lake and gathers, it brings life there as well. And all along this water, there, it's just teeming with life and beauty. This is a picture of what our, our, our lives should look like to people. That as the gospel is feeding into us, it brings life to us. And out of that flows living water into the lives of other people. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times we can isolate, we can become self-absorbed, we can, we can focus on a lot of other things, and we can become the picture of the Dead Sea. It starts to life starts to be eradicated. There's, there, there's, no, there's no life and hope in other, uh, to give to other people because we're not experiencing it ourselves. So we have to ask, is my life good news to people? Is it bringing life into other people? Now, I think so we kind of struggle with this sometimes in, in our Christian community because we start to develop our own culture and there's this term called Christianese, right? That, that we use these Christian terminology and Christian words that, that other people have no idea what we're actually even talking about. And we have to be careful that even as Christians, the things that we're saying are bringing life because they're understood. There's a lot of terminology and things we say, and we could poke fun at ourselves for this, and, and so I actually brought a little video to, to demonstrate just kind of the, the funny things that we can say sometimes that don't translate to our world. So take, take a look at the video screens for just a moment. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's The Fish? 104.3 The Fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. 
I just I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's just not enough meat, you know? Are they non-denom? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. I've been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. I need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah. <laughs> it's true, right? We say some weird things. We say some stuff that like, if you're not in the church, you're like, what are they talking about? What is going on over there? I don't know anybody who uses the word fellowship anymore. Outside of the church, it's like, what is a fellowship? Or like, we're going to love on each other. That sounds, like the, that sounds like the law enforcement should be called, right? <laughs> like, there's some weird things going on here. So if we're going to have gospel conversations, we have to make sure that we're actually being good news to people. And that has a lot to do with how things are received, Right? Not just what we, like, the, the terminology and the things that we spout off that we might think we know about the gospel, but, but we don't know how to communicate it. Like, being good news means we've got to speak it to people in a way that they can understand it. Bring it down to the people's level. Make it accessible to them. Because the gospel is very relevant to every situation we walk through. But sometimes we just get this muddled, and it's like, we got to kind of step out of our Christian culture and our Christian bubble to have real conversations with people. So gospel conversations happen when we believe the gospel. They happen when we are actually good news to people. The third thing here is that gospel conversations happen when we look for occasions for conversation. We have to actually look for these occasions sometimes. We have to actually be willing to engage the world. I talked about the difference uh, between uh, social distancing and isolation. This is not a time to isolate. There's never a time to isolate. We're called to engage the world. We're not just called to engage the church, the Christian community, our community groups. Those are all great things. But we're actually called to engage our world, to be present in our world so that we can look for occasions for the gospel to be proclaimed. Now, I don't mean like with a bullhorn on the side of the road. I mean in your everyday conversations of life that the gospel can come out. 1 Peter 2.12 says this. It says, Live such good lives, honorable lives, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We're called to live among the pagans. That's a strong word. That's not just like the neighbors on my street that are good people. They don't believe in Jesus, but they're good people, so I'll hang out with them. 
No, he's saying live your live good lives among the pagans, among the the those who are vile, those who are anti Jesus. That's where we ought to live among and be present with and be talking to. We've got to be looking for opportunities with those people. See, the world is having a conversation. And I think a lot of times we've removed ourselves from the conversation. We have our own conversations among ourselves. But out there among the pagans, they're having a conversation also. And this is not to impose your religion on them. It's not to quote Bible verses at them. It's simply to look for opportunities to be life and truth and living water to a world that's hurting. Jesus did this all the time. He, he ate with people all the time. He spent time with people. I, I, love that, I love that Jesus liked to eat. Thank you, Jesus, for that model. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our example. When he gathered with his disciples, they gathered around the table. They were eating together. There was something unique and even multi-sensory about eating together. But it wasn't just among his own Christian community of followers that he gathered to eat. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember that? As Jesus is walking, Zacchaeus is up in this tree and he says, come down, I'm going to come to your house. And Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He was the pagan that's being talked about. He was, he was the one that was cheating people and lying and taking advantage. And Jesus goes to his house to eat with him, to spend time with him, to be among him. And the religious people, they didn't like it. They grumbled, it says in Luke uh, 19.5. It says they grumbled he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. See, Jesus had no problem living among the pagans. Jesus had no problem sitting at the table and sharing a meal and having an experience and, and having conversation because he was looking for opportunities for their hearts to be open to that. If their heart was open to having a meal together, their heart is going to be open to a conversation where they experience living water. We've got to look for these opportunities. But we're really not very good at this. We either fight sin by avoiding the world altogether, or we engage the world and then we give in to sin. We struggle with this all the time. We have to be able to balance those because we have to make time for people out there who are having conversations that need those conversations to be influenced by your life, by the living water of the gospel at work in you. We have to be able to make time for people. We have to be able to engage. This is, by the way, this is a huge part of what we do in community groups. We not only gather together to have conversations about how the gospel is shaping our lives, but then we go out and we do that in the city together. And you've heard, some, you've heard us talk about laundry love. As that's one of the primary ways our community groups are serving. And there's incredible conversations that happen as people are waiting for their laundry to finish. There's incredible conversations that we have as as we're just helping people do their laundry. We don't go there with an agenda to, 
to give them the four spiritual laws or something like that. We just go there to meet people and have conversations about real life. And you know what happens out of that? We pray for people. We go to coffee with people. We take people. I just took um, somebody to a doctor's appointment, and I t- we got uh, to have conversation the whole way there and in the waiting room. It was incredible. We get opportunities when we engage the world and look for, look for uh, occasions to share what God is doing in our life. So gospel conversations when, happen when we believe the gospel, when we're good news to people, when we look for these occasions to be able to be present with people. And lastly, when we're willing to share our story. When we're actually willing to share our story. Now, I want to preface this by just saying that it starts by hearing their story, by learning and listening to the other person's story. But when we're engaging people, I want to just encourage you, share your story. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. You don't have to be a theological scholar because you have an experience with Jesus. He's given you the story imprinted on your life of the gospel. Whether you've been a Christian and a believer for 20 years or 20 days, if you've been a Christian for 20 minutes, you have a story to share with somebody. Because it's the power of God entering into your situation and bringing transformation of something happening. And so whatever that dialogue is, your story matters in the conversation. It's powerful. When it comes to spiritual stories, though, I think sometimes we, we freak out a little bit. I mean, let's be real. Like, when we hear that, it, there's a little bit of anxiety that enters in. Like, oh, boy, I don't know how to, I don't know how to bring somebody to Jesus. Ooh, what's that conversation going to look like? I don't, I don't know the right steps or the right verses. I, wh- I mean, what, what, is, what am I supposed to say? Look, I, I'm not here to give you a formula for gospel conversations. That because, because that it will always fall short. What I am here to encourage you with is that right where God is at work in your life is where that conversation should start. Because whatever he's doing in you, he wants to do in somebody else. I always I love the phrase, learn one thing, do one thing. Or maybe experience one thing, share one thing. We don't have to like get it all down and know it all and now we're uh, like spiritually ready to go engage the world and take it on. No. In the everyday conversations of your life, share with people what God is doing right now in your life. That's it. That's the sum total of what you need to do to share the gospel and have gospel conversations. It's not some big, difficult, theological thing. And here's the thing. Stories are actually fun. People enjoy hearing stories. I'm a camper. I love, we, we love to camp. We go camping every, every summer with our kiddos. And one of the things I love to do is to sit around the campfire and tell stories. You know, you bust out the s'mores and you tell. And it doesn't have to be like, for our family, it's not scary ghost stories or our kids will never go to sleep. It, so, but it's just, it's just stories of life. It's just having fun and joking together and telling the stories of what's going on. And it's fun. 
People want to hear your story. They want to know, they want to connect with your humanity, not your spirituality. They want to connect with you as a person, not you as a religion. They want to know you. And so the, in Matthew 5, 13, it talks about how our lives are seasoned with the gospel so that we can season this earth. Listen to the words of Matthew 5, 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Listen, you have a unique flavor. Your story is a unique flavor that adds to the, to the seasoning of this world, the seasoning of the gospel. And as God deposits in you, as you're on this journey of following him and discovering what that looks like and how we live that out, bring other people in that because you're flavoring their life. I always think of the Top Ramen packet, right? Anybody like Top Ramen in here? It's usually that food that you, that you eat when you're poor and you're in college and you can't get anything else, right? But I actually like Top Ramen. I like Top Ramen. And, but have you ever had Top Ramen without the foil packet? It's a little bland, right? It's not too tasty. But there's something that happens when you tear open that shiny, shimmery, magical packet of seasoning. And you sprinkle it on top. The top ramen comes alive, right? I think it's like one of the saltiest foods on the face of the earth, right? It's like the, salt, the sodium content is so incredibly high in top ramen. But there's something that these, these like bland, nasty little noodles, they become something else. They're edible. They're not just edible. I, I actually like them. They're pretty good. I want to tell you, your life is this little foil packet that a bland world is looking for. The gospel is this mixture of herbs and spices inside that's just waiting to get out of you. This world needs to be seasoned by the gospel because it's bland and it's looking for answers. And your story, your conversation, saltens the earth. It, it seasons the earth. It gives it flavor and richness. So I want to give you four, I want to give you this morning a little blend of four herbs and spices, okay? Here's a little, uh, here's some little things to add to your flavor packet. If you can get these four questions down and understand these yourself, you can speak the gospel into every conversation you have. Here's the mix of seasons, uh, seasoning and spices. Number one, who is God? If you can know who is God in my life, that is a profound theological stance that you are able to take. Who is God? What has he done? Second, what has he done? Or what is he doing in my life? The third thing is, who am I? Who is God? What has he done? Who am I in light of that? And the fourth thing is, how should I live? Man, those four, those four simple questions can transform our conversations. 
You don't have to have words and terminologies and verses and theological backing. I mean, those things would be great to have. But if you can answer those questions, who is God? What has he done? Who am I in light of that? Who does he say that I am? And how should I live because of what he's done? Boy, that is, a, that is salt to the earth right there. That is powerful. You have the opportunity to tell a story to the world that they're waiting to hear. Let me just, uh, let me just include this. The world wants to hear your whole story. They don't want to hear your Instagram, social media, glossy uh, version of your story. They don't want you to just hit the high points of how God has just been out of this world, incredible. They want to hear your points of pain and failure and brokenness. They want to hear how God has met you in the lowest points of your life. Because oftentimes those are the places that people are identifying with us. And that requires a level, a level of honesty and vulnerability in our stories to be able to be real with people. To not give them... Uh, th- I think this is why uh, sometimes we get the, the, the knock of being um, hypocrites as Christians. Because we paint a story of, of, uh, that's rosy and beautiful and all good and that everything's fine. But all of us are a mess, and we're walking through stuff, and we're trying to figure it out, and, and we're trying to follow Jesus every day. And something doesn't add up in the story that we're telling people, in the conversations that we're telling people, it doesn't add up to them. Because they see our brokenness, and it doesn't match our story. And so I think people want to see our humanity, they want to see our vulnerability that Look, I'm walking through something that's really difficult right now, but in the middle of that, God's meeting me. In the middle of that, I'm experiencing this truth about who God is. I'm discovering more about this, about Jesus. That's that's powerful. And when we can weave those things into the everyday conversations we have with people, it's powerful. People will catch it. They will catch not only that you're being real, it will open their lives up to being real themselves, to connect with your brokenness, your humanity, and the answer to that, the living water that's coming out of you. So this morning, we have to be willing to share our stories and engage people and and be salt to people's lives. I want to end this morning by reading one more passage. And this is the words of Paul as he ended his letter in Colossians. It's Colossians 4, 2 through 6. And it says, his encouragement is this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This morning, I want to encourage you to have gospel conversations 
to be watchful for opportunities, to pray for the doors to be opened in your life to to the gospel going out, to declare your story of Jesus impacting you, to make it clear and understandable for people, to actually engage outsiders, to have time for them, and to let your conversations be seasoned with love and grace and peace. All of that is right here in Paul's words to the Colossians. And it's the, it's the same for us today. We have this great opportunity because the world is having a conversation about coronavirus. The world is having a conversation that is about vying for power. The world's having a conversation about how they're pursuing pleasure and about what they can achieve and about how they've been wronged. and They're having a conversation about all kinds of agendas and things that are driving them. And right there in the middle of that conversation are all kinds of rich opportunities for the gospel to be heard. We just have to engage. We have to be willing. We have to have the conversation. Your gospel story is full of the truth that they're waiting to hear. So look for those opportunities. Be open and honest and vulnerable. Give Jesus the credit for the stuff going on in your life. And listen to this. Listen to the Holy Spirit because he guides and directs our path. Let me pray as we try to live this out together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that uh, for each one of us as we surrender our hearts to you in that instant, you begin a story in our lives, a story of bringing redemption and hope, of changing our perspective and our attitude. Lord, you begin to bring that salt into our life that seasons our lives and our hearts. And I pray that, Lord God, out of the overflow of our hearts, of the gospel shaping us, Lord God, it would be evident in the words that we speak the language that we have, the conversations that we share. God, I pray that you would challenge us by your spirit outside of our comfort zones, outside of our our sacred and secular divide, our, our spiritual conversations and our secular conversations. Lord, cut through all of that and just give us opportunities to share our story with people. God, give us the ability to weave this gospel fluency into the everyday conversations of our lives. God, I pray that right now as we experience this moment in our culture of anxiety uh, and of fear, that Lord God, you would, you would have us be the people of peace on our, in our neighborhoods. Lord, the people of peace in our friend network online. Lord God, that we would be the gospel conversation that is shaping the narrative for people. That where fear has taken root, Lord, your peace would go deeper and bring transformation. God, help us to have the conversations of living water. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.